0: As a minister, I have corresponded with sinners, with Christians, and with backsliders. And all of them were afraid of not making it to heaven. Well, according to scripture, there is hope for all three. And we will discuss the assurance of salvation on today's edition of End of the Age.
1: You're listening to an End of the Age Encore presentation.
0: Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this special edition of End of the Age. I'm going to be discussing salvation today and the hope of an eternal salvation. And there are a lot of people that I've dealt with over the years that have wondered, will I make it? And I want to give you a message of hope today. Everyone listening to me is either a sinner, which is a person who has not been born again yet, or a Christian, a person who has been born again and leading a Christian life, or a backslider, a person who was born again but made the decision not to live for the Lord anymore. So over the course of my life, I have been all three. I've been, I have, uh, was a sinner prior to being born again. I was born again. I backslid and then I was a prodigal son. I came back. So there's hope for every person listening to me today. As a minister, I have dealt with all three categories for years now. And I know that all three. Yes, even some Christians, even though they might never tell you, have questioned whether there is hope for them to make it to heaven. And I'll be, ta- I'll be explaining that here in just a moment. But I came today to tell everyone listening that yes, 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 there is hope for you to make it to heaven. Now you got to do some things and you need to take care of some things and you need to live a certain life, but there is hope. Number one, the sinner. Romans chapter three, verse 23. You say, well, uh, Dave, I've sinned. There's no hope for me. Hey, listen, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody on this planet has sinned. Everybody. The only one that didn't was Jesus Christ. David, King David said, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and sin in sin did my mother conceive me. We were all born into a sinful nature in this life. But the question is, is there hope? Well, absolutely. I mean, if there was no hope, what are we even doing? I mean, it's if there was no hope for eternal salvation, I mean... This radio program, there's no point to it. There's no point to going to church. There's no point to a belief in God or the Bible. But the thing is, saying that there's no hope is a lie from the enemy. There is hope for every person listening to me. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The Bible says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to purchase a plan of salvation on Calvary... And the plan is called Being Born Again. I want to offer you a free brochure today. What do you mean born again? For a detailed account of this, so that every person under the sound of my voice will understand this, call 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463, or just visit endtime.com slash reborn. And you can read it right there on the internet, and it it explains the thing in great detail. If you can't find a church who will do that and help you with that, get a hold of me or Doug Norvell here at End Time Ministries, and we can help you find a church that will do that. So during the born-again experience, the true born-again experience, every sin you've ever committed is washed away and forgiven forever. Did you know that? Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, Time and chance happens to all men. Every person will have an opportunity to be saved before this thing wraps up. At some point in time, you may have had somebody talk to you about God and you've said, Hey, I want to know more about that. Or, Nah, I don't care about none of that stuff. Everybody's had an opportunity to move towards or away from God. You say, But Dave, I'm I'm a sinner. Well, guess what? God loves you. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. It does not say that God only loves Christians or Jews. It says that God loves every person in the world. God loves the murderer and the liar and the cheat and the thief and the adulterer and the person with an an attitude or whatever, any kind of a sin. God loves sinners. That's why he came to die, to purchase a plan of salvation so they could obey that plan of salvation, obey the gospel, and have an opportunity to spend eternity with him. It does not matter what you have done. Let me say that again. It does not matter what you have done, being born again can wash all of it away and give you a brand new life a a um, a fresh start, a, a clean slate if you will and God doesn 't remember that anymore; he can erase it once an individual is born again, First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine to eleven the apostle Paul said. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But here's a promise. The apostle Paul said, and such were some of you. He was talking to the church in Corinth. He said, hey, you guys were a motley crew here. And you did all kinds of stuff. But the apostle Paul said, but such were some of you. They didn't get born again and continue in their sin because you can't be saved doing that. But he said, such were some of you. They were born again and come out of those different lifestyles, whatever they were. He said, but you were washed and you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. The church in Corinth, they had some um, they had they had some people that had done some serious sinning along the way, but they were they come out of that. They were born again. They came out of that lifestyles, and the apostle Paul said, "Now you are saved. You've got an opportunity to spend eternity with the Lord, and that opportunity is for everybody listening to me today on the program. And we'll get into it in a lot more detail." on the other side of this break. God bless you guys.
2: Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just twelve ninety nine a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play.
3: We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith. In the hearts of Christians around the world, we will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com.
1: You're listening to an End of the Age Encore presentation.
0: So, <clears throat> to the sinner out there, an individual who has never been born again yet. There is hope for you. Every, every person has sinned. Every person. But you can make heaven your home by being born again. So what are you waiting for? You can email me, d.robins at endtime.com. Doug Norvell, norvell at endtime.com. And we will find you a true church in your area, that will help you facilitate the born-again experience and help disciple you and help you live as a Christian the rest of your life so that whether you go by the way of the grave or the, the way of the rapture, you can make heaven your eternal home. And that's the goal of all of us, right? Or at least it should be. I want to make it to heaven to be with Jesus Christ for eternity. Because I love him so much. Don't you? So secondly, I talked to the sinners <clears throat> and I gave them hope. But let me talk to the Christian individual today. He say, well, hey, we're Christians. Uh, we've already made heaven our home. Well, I understand that. But there are some that have a problem. There are Christians, and I know this because I've been in ministry for years. I've dealt with all kinds of people, okay? There are Christians that you may not even know about. They won't, they won't ever talk about it. But there are Christians that live under guilt for a mistake that they made 20 years ago. And they actually think that someday they're going to get to the pearly gates and Peter's going to slam them in their face. Well, guess what? That is a lie from the enemy of your soul. A truly born again Christian doing the best that they can, living for God, has a promise from God. Matthew twenty four thirteen. Jesus said, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same might be saved, right? No, that's not what it says. Jesus said, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. You say, but Dave, I was born again and I committed a sin. Well, I don't know of one born again person that hasn't committed a sin since. That's what repentance is for. So let's talk about this. Hebrews 10, 14 says, for by one offering, Jesus, or he, it's referring to Jesus, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. The only qualification for this perfection, according to Hebrews 10.14, is to be sanctified. If we are sanctified, God says that we are perfect in his eyes. So how are we sanctified? Hebrews 10.10 tells us that we are sanctified Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. This is why our plan of salvation, we look back to Calvary. And from this scripture, we know that we are sanctified. Not by what we do, okay? But by what Jesus did for us on Calvary. All that we need to do in order to receive this great blessing is to accept his work of Calvary by being born again. Again, I'm going to offer the brochure again. What do you mean born again? 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463, or go to endtime.com slash reborn, and you can. there's a brochure explaining to you how to be born again. But once we are born again, then we are sanctified. Hebrews 10, 29 says that we are sanctified by the blood of the covenant. If we know that, that we have the blood of the covenant on our lives and have been born again, then we know that we are sanctified. And furthermore, according to the scripture, we are perfect. You say, well, whoa, 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 hold on, Dave. Wait, wait a second here. What, What about our faults? What about our failures? I mean, what did Jesus mean when he said that he had perfected us forever? Well, it means perfect as pertaining to the conscience. You see, the battle of the enemy is for your mind, because people act on what they believe. So if I can if I can control your belief system, then I can lead and guide you in a certain way. That's what end time this that's what our radio program is all about. I'm trying to wash your brain of all the junk that the news media is putting into your brain. And get you to heaven. That's the goal of this whole thing. So perfect as pertaining to the conscience. That's where the battlefield is. It's in the mind. That's why the Bible says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of what? A sound mind. Now, does this mean that we can never be lost? No, it does not. Does this mean that we can never commit sin? Now, again, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm off of sinners. Now I'm on the Christians. Does this mean that we can never commit sin? No. So, in what way then has God perfected us? Well, there are two kinds of perfection in the Bible. One type of perfection is referred to in um, Hebrews 6 1. Uh, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to go on unto perfection. So this perfection deals with um, growing unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, Ephesians 4.13. So this, per, this perfection is not what I'm discussing here. Hebrews 9, verse 6-9 through 9 says, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always under the, un, into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God, but into the second went the high priest, uh, the, into, this was talking about the holiest of holies. He went into that alone once every year, not without blood from the sacrifice, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So the Holy Ghost is thus signifying the way into the holy of holies, the, the holy, uh, into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first temple, the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time present in which we offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him, that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. This is the big difference in the Old Testament plan of salvation and the New Covenant, the New Testament plan of salvation. In other words, we don't go to the temple or the tabernacle and have to offer a blood sacrifice no no Jesus Christ did that but their conscience was not made perfect but ours is once we are born again verse 9 here actually states that the salvation of the first tabernacle the, the law could not make the worshipers perfect as pertaining to the conscience remember I said the battles in your mind even as a Christian Satan is battling you for your mind if you can get your mind off, you wonder how somebody lives as a Christian for several years, maybe 10, 20, 30 years. And then zing, they went off and you wonder what happened to that person? Because Satan got in control of their mind. They got a belief system that was not the correct belief system. He got them off and they veered off the road and they ended off in the ditch. However, if you go down to verse 14 here. It tells us that the blood of Christ shall purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So these scriptures are saying that the salvation of Christ will make us perfect as pertaining to the conscience. It does not say you'll never make another mistake, but you're, it's perfect as pertaining to the conscience. We, um, we are to have a conscience void of offense and relieved of all guilt forever. You say, "Man, I'm a, I'm a, I, I've been born again. I'm living as a Christian, but I made a mistake, and I, the, the Satan is. I'm, I've just got guilt sitting on me like a million pounds." Well, I mean, are you a Christian? Have have you ever experienced that after you've done something wrong? Oh, this guilt just is weighing me down. I don't even want to go to church tonight. Well, this fact is further explained in Hebrews ten one through two for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the thing can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year this is Old Testament continually make the the comers thereunto perfect for when they would not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers once purged now should have no more conscience of sins you say, well oh, now hold on a second. If I I commit a sin, I'm just going to be, I'm going to hell right then, right? Well, that's what I'm talking about, is that mindset. The law could not give us a, a perfectly clear conscience, the Old Testament. But the better salvation of Jesus Christ is able to totally relieve an individual, a Christian, from guilt, even to the point that the worshipers once purged should no longer be conscience. Of sin. Now, I'm in the Bible here. Jesus came as the second Adam to undo the damage that was done by the first Adam. And the first Adam lost innocence for the human race. And he brought us under guilt and condemnation, right? I mean, when Adam and Eve sinned, what'd they do? They were walk, go in the evening walking in the cool of the evening with God talking to him, right? But when they sinned, they were ashamed because of their nakedness and they went and hid. And the Lord came and said, hey, Adam, uh, where are you at? And Adam and said, well, hey, you know, we did something very bad and, you know, we were scared here. We, were, we, didn't, we didn't really feel comfortable commu- coming and communing with you. Now notice, the Lord showed up, but Adam and Eve didn't. That's a huge point right there. God still showed up. Even though he knew what they did, you've never done anything that god didn't God didn't see it, but yet God still loved you and came and died for you. so Jesus came to restore our innocence so that there is no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus because we are delivered from all sin, guilt, and condemnation you say but man i've I, I still I made a mistake and I sinned. I'm a Christian, but man, I just, I did something stupid. And now I'm living under this guilt to the point where I really don't feel like I can even worship the Lord. That's a lie from the enemy. Okay, so let's move on because I want you to get this today. Because again, like I said in the beginning, I've dealt with sinners trying to get them born again. And then I've dealt with Christians who are going through this big guilt ridden life thinking, well, hey, someday I'm going to get up there and Peter's just going to slam the doors in my face because of something I did 25 years ago and I just, oh, I can't get out from under this guilt. Well, that's not the way a Christian's supposed to live, okay? Now, you're supposed to do your best. What I'm talking about today is not a license to sin. That's a big no-no. If you get that in your mindset, well, hey, I'm going to have a clear conscience and I've been delivered from sin and guilt so I can do whatever I want. No, no. That's going to be, that's going to get you in the ditch. You're supposed to do the best you can. Remember, Jesus said, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. You got to live a Christian life once you're born again. The apostle Paul said, such were some of you, but now you've been washed and you've been, you've been made white in the blood of Jesus Christ. And now you live as a Christian the rest of your life. You don't go back to what you did. That's not the way this thing works. But if you make a mistake, there is a remedy for you, and it's called repentance. Okay, so we've got to move on. Hebrews 10, It exhorts us. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in with pure water. So our full assurance. This is how a Christian is supposed to live. I have a full assurance of, of eternal life. And... Our full assurance is that when Jesus saved us, he brought us into a state of perfection and set us forever free from condemnation. But you've got to do your part. I've got to live the best life I can. I've got to live as a Christian, doing God's will, being led by his spirit, leading a holy life, doing what God would have me to do, aligning myself with the principles and the doctrines in the Bible. And if I will do that, I have a promise of eternal life. You can't be born again and then say, yee it's party on after that. No, you can't go back to living how you've always lived. You've got to live as a Christian life. Most of the New Testament, this is very important. Most of the New Testament, if you understand how the New Testament is structured, it is teaching people how to live as Christians post the born again experience. It does not say, yes, be born again, but then, yes, go back sinning and living however you want. You're going to make it. That's not scriptural. Scripture says, hey, you be born again, and now to live the the fulfilled Christian experience, you're going to start to be discipled and live as a Christian. You're a new creature. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Okay? Okay. So there's a lot of things involved here. Then in verse 23, it tells us that um, to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. You now have this assurance. And I know that if I endure to the end, I'll have to endure some trials. I'll have to endure some tribulation. I may make a mistake. But if I repent and get up and keep going, and if I endure to the end, you have a promise from Jesus Christ. in Matthew 24, I will be saved. That's what we're all, that's the goal of all of this. And we must never doubt that he that perfected forever them that are sanctified. We must never doubt that. It's a battle for our mind. Remember, that's what the enemy is battling for, your mind. If he can get your belief system off, you're going for, you're headed for the ditch. So make sure your mind is made up. Remember, God has given us a sound mind, not fear. Not fear of
4: that assurance of not having the assurance, but of the assurance of eternal life. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time.
1: You're listening to an End of the Age Encore presentation.
0: Okay, now we're going to have to move quickly because I want to make sure I get through all this lesson today. So the the Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's Romans 10.10. All of this comes to us, not because of what we have done, but because of the work of Christ at Calvary. And all we do to receive this gift is to believe on Jesus Christ and receive his great salvation by being born again. But it's more than belief. Salvation is more than belief. The Bible says he that cometh to God must first believe. Belief that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him is the first step to salvation. That's why we've offered the, the born again uh, brochure for and we've sent probably hundreds of thousands if not millions about over the years because we want to make sure all the steps the bible says you have to obey the gospel how do you do that well that brochure gets into that but i want to make sure that i keep talking to sinners christians and backsliders today and i want to get to the backslider before we get done so imputation In order to fully understand how we can be perfected as pertaining to the conscience, we need to understand the Bible's teaching on imputation. Romans 4, uh, 1 through 8, it tells us a lot about imputation. It says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. Right? He glory in himself, but not before God. For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him to righteousness. <clears throat> now to him that worketh is reward is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justify the un, that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Did you hear what I just said? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. If you make a mistake, he's not going to impute it to your charge. Now, again, I'm on my Christian segment here. You say, well, how does that work? Well, now again, this is not a license to go out and sin. If you do that, you're headed in the wrong direction because it's your mindset. If you're doing the best you can to live for the Lord, you're going to make it. You don't want to sin. You're you're going to try to get away from all that stuff. And God can help you. But if you make a mistake, you can repent and get up and keep on going. But the Lord checks your heart. You understand? He knows what your mindset is. If you say, well, hey, I can go sin, yee No, no, that doesn't work like that. You've got to do the best you can and live as a Christian. So <clears throat> notice in verse 6 here, blessed is the man to whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Then in verse 8 it says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So we, we've sometimes only understood half of what happens when we're born again. We believe that Jesus Christ was made sin on the cross, When we're born again, right? Our sins are placed on him or imputed to him. If that was all that happened, then we could not be perfect as pertaining to the conscience. However, when our sins are placed on Jesus, this is so important, his righteousness is imputed to us and we immediately become as righteous as Jesus Christ. When you're born again, If you're born again, you are as righteous as Jesus Christ right now. Again, we're talking about an eternal salvation. Jesus Christ came and died for this to happen. This is scripture. I'm giving you scriptures for all of this. This is not because of anything that you have done, except we have believed on him who justifieth the ungodly. It's Romans 4, 5. So to justify means to acquit or to declare not guilty. Righteousness is not something that we do; it is a gift that is imputed to us. Romans five seventeen calls it the gift of righteousness. Blessed is the man to whom God imputeth righteousness without works. They asked, well, um, they asked Jesus. They said, what should be done? To works, the works of God. And he said, well, believe on him whom God hath sent. That's John um, 6, 28 and 29. Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness, Romans 4, 3. So, one principle you need to get is that no, where there's no law, there's no transgression. Remember, we're not under the law once we're born again. So, Romans 4, 15 says, for where, there, where no law is, there is no, no transgression. Romans 5.13 states further that sin is not imputed when there is no law. So these scriptures, they raise a very important question. Are we under the law today? Well, Romans 6.14 emphatically states, you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, once you're born again, that's the key. Once you are born again, you're not under the law, but under grace. Remember, the book of Romans is written to the Roman church. These individuals were already saved. There's not a second plan of salvation taught in the book of Romans. The plan of salvation was given in Acts 2. and But the apostle Paul was writing to the Roman church here, the Romans, the church in Rome. So it states that you are not under the law, but now you're under grace. G- uh, Galatians 3.13 tells us that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. So a a lot happened at Calvary that a lot of Christians don't understand. They get half of it sometimes, but they don't get the full teaching on it. These scriptures state plainly that we're not under the law. An individual who's been born again is not under the law. If sin is not imputed where there is no law then we are made free from sin because sin is not imputed to us. God sees us as perfect and our conscience is perfectly free from guilt, right? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are where? Not living as a sinner. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's the key. How do you do that? Be born again. That's uh, Romans 8.1. So, at that, once you understand these principles, serving the Lord becomes easy. You can roll that guilt off of you. Uh, Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. But Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew eleven thirty. 30. It has been commonly supposed that if you would be a real true Christian, it's very hard. That's not true at all. I live as a Christian individual, and I'm I'm having the time of my life. Actually, the opposite of that's true. If we think that it's hard to serve God, it's because we have a... um, If if we think that it's hard to serve God, it's because we have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, Romans 10.2. True salvation brings righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you're, if you're living as a Christian and you're trying to serve God, but you're down in the mullet grubs because you got all this guilt on you, you're, you're, you're not going to go out and try to win souls because you don't want anybody else to feel the guilt you're feeling, right? I'm not going to take anybody to church because I'm not happy. But somebody who's happy and has that assurance, man, they're talking to everybody about it. And that's the goal here. True righteousness does not come through effort but through submission to Jesus Christ. Um, Bible says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Uh, Romans 10.3 So being in sin is what is hard. Believe me. I've been out there, done all that goofy stuff. I've done a lot of stuff. I didn't do everything, but... When your life is assaulted by, let's say, <clears throat> drugs, alcohol, divorce, addictions, jealousies, envy, strife. I mean, that's the hard life, right? If you don't think that being a sinner is hard, you ain't talked to any sinners lately. I'm dealing with people that you can't imagine some of the stuff they're going through. But the righteousness of faith is compared to the righteousness of the law in Romans 10, 5 through 10. It says, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thy heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? Or that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so you say, well, here's another plan of salvation in Romans 10. No, he's (coughs) He's he's talking to the church in Rome. He's trying to help them live as Christians post the born again experience. It goes on to say, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the righteousness of the law says, the man that doeth all these things shall live by them. In other words, if we get good enough, we can have God. But the righteousness of faith says that if we receive Christ through faith, that he will make us good. That's a big difference. Goodness becomes a result of receiving God, not a requirement for receiving him. You cannot get good enough to get God. You get God to get good. That's why God, I don't care what you've done, God can save you. And believing and obeying the gospel by being born again is the only requirement for receiving God. It's, it's so easy. And this passage tells us that we should not say who can ascend into heaven or get who, who's going to get spiritual enough to bring Christ down from above or who, who can go deep enough to bring a revival. Nobody. But what saith it? The word or the answer is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's important that we confess that we are saved. Again, I'm talking to Christians post the born again experience. We have many Christians who have real doubts about their salvation. And they're not super happy. (laughs) And this is not God's will. God wants us to be sure that we are saved. And when we understand that he has perfected us forever, which uh, uh, pertaining to our conscience, then this blessed assurance of salvation will be ours. And I'm telling you, if you can get this principle, it will change your walk with God forever. I mean, you don't have to live under guilt which weighs Christians down to the point where they're like, ah, I don't even want to go back to church. I made a mistake and ugh. No, you do not quit going to church ever. Uh, let me, so let me talk about one more thing real quick because I'm coming up to a break and then I'm going to do my best to try to, I want to finish everything I want to talk about today. The Bible says, talking about going to church, if we sin willfully. I'm, so I'm going to hit the break here. I'm going to dive off into it after. But the Bible talks about sinning willfully. You, you never want to, want to get to the point where you could say, Yay, you know, all this stuff, I've believed under righteousness now. I can just, I don't have to go to church no more. I don't have to live for God. I can do whatever I want. I can still, you know, steal and commit adultery and do all this other stuff. And I'm going to be saved. Yeah, I need to rethink that.
1: Most of us walk around day by day, blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013 Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. You're listening to an End of the Age Encore presentation. So let's talk about willful
0: sin. You know, some will say, well, hey, if the salvation of Christ is far-reaching, then I can do anything I want to do, and God's grace is going to cover it. That is not true. Don't misunderstand what I'm teaching here. This kind of thinking turns the grace of God into lasciviousness. That's, uh, Jude 4. Paul said in Galatians 2.17, but if we, if, if, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ rather than legislation, we ourselves are also found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. So we're not talking about a license to sin. Don't take that from what I'm teaching today. We are talking about a salvation that can deliver from the strength of sin, which is the law and present us as holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Colossians uh, 1, And then I want you to notice carefully, uh, Hebrews 10, 25 and 26. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, In as far as a church setting goes, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the end time approaching. For if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So the sacrifice for sin is continually flowing in the born again, believers life, um, First John 1 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. So this wonderful benefit of continual cleansing can be lost if we decide to live in sin. The Bible says it right here. If we decide to live in sin, we are sinning willfully. And one of the foremost indicators of a person's willful sin is unfaithfulness to the house of God. You can read it right here. Hebrews 10, 25 through 26 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. For if we sin willfully. When people, you know, in essence, pitch their tent towards Sodom, if you will, they invariably start missing church. You'll just notice it. Because they you know there's a million reasons, but there's never a good reason. they're deliberately removing themselves from God's chosen method of dispensing grace. I mean, God is chosen by the the Bible says God is chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Willful and unwillful sin is the difference between a premeditated action and a mistake. If a person commits a sin, under the pressure of temptation, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses that sin. If they're doing the best they can. However, if a person decides that they want to live a life of sin, then the continual cleansing stops. You understand the difference there? Somebody's doing the best they can to make a mistake. The blood will cover you. Repent, get up and keep on going. If somebody says, well, I'm going to live a life of sin. I don't really care about God or what he wants and church and none of that. Then that continual cleansing stops. This does not mean that they can never be saved, but they got to change the thinking. Remember this thought process, the belief system. It does not mean that they will have to return to a, a, no, I should say it does mean that they'll have to return to a repentant life before they can be saved. You can't just live all helter skelter and say, I'm going to make it. It does not work like that. This wonderful benefit that of, the, of continual cleansing is the thing that makes it possible for us to be perfected forever as pertaining to the conscience. Blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin, right? So, let's talk about um, who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect, right? So, Hebrews 10.1 says that the Old Testament sacrifices could not make the comers thereunto perfect, for then would they not have ceased to be offered, right? Because that the worshipers once purged should not have, uh, should have no more conscience of sins. So if the law would have worked, they would have made sacrifices one time and then stopped. Once the law worshipped had been purged, once the, I should say, once the uh, worshipped had been purged, they should have no more conscience of sins. So they they should become oblivious to sin. They are liberated, set free from sin. Um, Hebrews ten seventeen through 23. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now where their remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our blood washed with pure water. And I should say our bodies washed with pure water. Let me get this right. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. So all of this means that if you are born again, of the water and the spirit, daily striving to serve God, you're saved. There's no doubt about it. The Lord gives you, the, if the Lord calls you home in the next 10 seconds, you'll go straight to heaven. You have an assurance of that. And we don't receive all of this because we are worthy. If we wait till we're worthy, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. It's not going to happen. We enjoy all of this, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus did on Calvary. Again, I want to make sure you understand this does not create a license for sin, but it does create the cure. The Lord said, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? it is christ that died you know no wonder the angels said hey peace on earth goodwill toward men thanks be to god for his un- this unspeakable gift what a great wonderful salvation what a gospel what what good news he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified if you're a christian you're doing the best you can to live for god you make a mistake get on on your knees repent and get up and keep on going. Don't let it derail you. Because God will... You The Bible says he is just to forgive you. If you've asked him to forgive you, he's promised that he will. And now you say, well, hey, you did it that time. I'm going to keep on sinning. That's a different mindset. If you're doing the best you can and you made a mistake, God will forgive you and you can have that assurance and live as a Christian and let's go out and reach this world together. Okay? Now... Let me talk to the backslider. An individual who was in church, made some bad decisions, left church, went out and living not for the Lord. And, you you know, you've just got, you've derailed, okay? Some may say a backslider is just a sinner, but I don't agree with that. A backslider is someone who has been born again, felt the Spirit of God, and then for whatever reason, just decided to walk away. I've been there myself. Thank God he brought me back. I did that, uh, what, close to 20 years ago now. Whew, that, I was scared every day, believe me. I did not want to die away from the Lord. And God brought us back, me and my wife, Bo. And I'm telling you, it can happen for you. you say, I'm, I'm too far gone. That's a lie from the enemy. Uh, but Dave, you don't know what I did. That's a lie from the enemy. You can come back. Once a person truly feels the presence of God, they are never the same after that. You know, many feel that, uh, again, that they've gone too far. Uh, I've heard that a million times. Oh, I'm too far away. That's, a, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I've sinned too much, I should i uh, have heard to get back to god that is a lie from the enemy of your soul he's he's working on your concepts your your belief system jesus taught a parable in luke 15 11 through 24 you remember a man had two sons the younger son told his father i want my share of your estate before you die so his father agreed and divided his wealth between his two sons a few days later the younger son packed up all of his belongings moved to a distant land, and there he, wa- he just wasted his money in, on wild living. Now, this is a parable that Jesus taught. About the time that his money ran out, there was a great famine that swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man said, Look, you know." he sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. Well, the young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good. And, but but no one gave him anything. So when he finally came to his senses, he said, you know what? If, at my father's house, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'm going to go home to my father and I'm going to say, father, hey, look, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. So his dad kicked him out in the road, right? No. The Bible says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long, a long way off, the father was standing in that driveway, watching for him, saw him coming. And the father, father didn't care what he did. The father was filled with compassion and love. And he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to the father, father, I've sinned against you in heaven. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, Jesus taught this parable, you understand. But his father said to his servants, hey, quick, uh, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the fatted calf because we're gonna have a feast and we're gonna celebrate for my son came home. This son of mine that was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Listen to me. If you're, a, if you're a backslider, come home. The Father is waiting for you. You've got a promise from God. Uh, John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, and you say, well, what do you do? That's the next question. Uh, and moving on, if you are a sinner... If you've you've never been born again, what what are you waiting for? Email me, drobbins at endtime.com or dnorvell at endtime.com. We'll help you find a Bible-believing teaching church that will help you get born again. There is hope for you. It's not how you start, folks. It's how you finish. If you're a Christian, you've been born again according to the Scripture, you need to understand that the blood of Jesus, what it did for you when you were born again. Every sin you've ever committed, washed away. And the blood of Jesus is covering your life even as we speak. If you make a mistake, repent, keep serving God, get up and keep on going. The enemy's a master of bringing up stuff you did 25 years ago, stealing your joy and enthusiasm and peace. And it'll make you not even want to do it again. But it can take the guilt off of your back. And it'll help you want to win souls and to try to convert someone else, right? And so then if you're a backslider, look, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. You say, well, the church doesn't want me back. That's a lie from the enemy again. Well, I've gone too far. That's a lie from the enemy. You don't know what sin I've committed. I don't care what sin you've committed. And Jesus Christ doesn't care what sin you've committed. Backslider, come home. Come home. Come back to church. You've got a promise of salvation. If you come back, live as a Christian and endure to the end. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've gone. Jesus taught the prodigal parable. Come on back. We love you. We want you to come home.